Tonight, we gather to reflect on Jesus' death, to look at his suffering and his relationships. He is a picture of suffering. Jesus has been on the cross for six hours. It has become supernaturally dark. He is nailed down, pain racking through his body. He is struggling to breathe. He is suffering both physically and eventually relationally. Just a quick overview of things that he said on the cross from a relationship standpoint. To God, for those that are crucifying him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was concerned for the very people that were killing him. To the repentant thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. To Mary, his mother, he said, woman, behold your son. And to John, he said, behold your mother. To God, his father, most painful of all the statements, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Kind of a general comment, I thirst. And then to finish, to God the Father, it is finished. And then, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. You'll notice I'm up here doing this. Okay, think about if you're on a cross. You didn't do anything. Okay, you could talk, barely. Let's go back. The night before in the garden, Jesus was suffering there too. He knew what was coming. He told his disciples over and over again, I am going up to Jerusalem to die. And they were in another die. They denied. They couldn't believe it, couldn't believe it, couldn't believe it. He was so emotionally stressed out over what was coming that he bled drops of blood. When he was in this situation, what did he do? What would we do? Maybe like the prophet Jonah, we would run away. Even though we clearly knew what God's will was and direction. No, Jesus prayed and he sought the Father. And I know that's sort of cliche-ish in a way, but in the most difficult times in our lives, you will hear your friends say, did you pray? And that's what we're, at, we're saying tonight. Jesus, in the most stressful time, prayed. He sought the Father. He asked the disciples to pray. And they did what a lot of us do when we pray. They fell asleep. 
he tells the father something that is easy for us to say, but very hard for us to do. And it is not my will, my desires, but yours. Your will be done. And as we sit here and consider how difficult life is and how we'd like to run away at times and escape and do something else, we think about all we need to do is come to the Father and talk. We need to know that people care about us and love us, but that leading relationship that Jesus had, he turned to the Father with his burden. He loved the Father. He had faith in the Father. He had a committed relationship with the Father. That's why he was on earth. There was total trust. And he was able to say, not my will, but your will be done. Soon afterwards in the garden, Jesus was arrested. In appeals to those who were trying to defend him, he looks at him, and one of the accounts say that they cut an ear off of one of the servants. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? Okay? Appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. This is not an empty bluff. Jesus has a relationship with the father. He knows what the Father's capable of doing. And if he asked and the Father sent the angels, okay, there would be no more arrestees, accusers, mob. It'd be mopped up and cleaned up. But Jesus knew where he was headed, the cross, and this was not the time to do that. Arrested, mocked, beaten, put on trial twice, and finally nailed to the cross where he's slowly dying for my sins. Why is he dying for sin? Sin is our willful disregard for God and his creative order that keeps us in relationship with God. So when I sin, I break that relationship with God. What is sin? I like to define it as starting with the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second part of that, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sin is missing the mark of putting God first in our life choosing not to obey. Instead, we choose to put our own desires first, pleasing ourselves and winning human approval. These choices separate us from a relationship with God. Scripture states in Romans that the wages of sin is death. 
Just being my good old normal give self separates me from God. Something has to be done to remove the sin from me and reestablish the relationship with God. John 3.16, the famous football verse that we've heard so many times, is really clear. Jesus knew why he was here to die for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The son is doing the father's will. He is in relationship with the father. The father and son desire to be in relationship with us, but sin keeps that from happening. So Jesus has chosen to come to earth and die for us, for me. All through the Gospels, we see Jesus in relationship with the Father. There's a time at Jesus' baptism, they hear this voice in the sky, and it says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's a transfiguration. The Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Gib, do you listen? Do you seek him? Do you pray? Brothers and sisters, are you listening and following Jesus? Or just doing our own will? Jesus was quite clear in John 10 when he said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, isn't that amazing how these things keep looping around back to the Father? My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then he says something really profound. I and the Father are one. One essence, one being, one unity. The thieves at the cross give us a great picture of sin, of taking responsibility, and grace. Actually, it's one thief. The other thief, hey. One of the criminals were hanging, who were hanging, railed at Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Just a tad bit on the self-centered side. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say 
to you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He still had to die. Jesus had to die. They had to go through a lot of agony. But there was a future. There was a hope of a relationship after this was over. That's a recurring theme. On the cross, Jesus is suffering greater than just the mocking, greater than anything we can personally imagine. We can sort of get in touch with it. It's the interruption of that relationship with the Father because they have been together for eternity. It's the same verse that's in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father is no longer accessible. It's dark. This is not a three-hour eclipse. It's dark. God the Father has turned away from Jesus. He is no longer accessible. And Jesus is totally alone as sacrifice for our sins. Jesus feels abandoned, alone, rejected, even while doing the Father's will. Many of us have been in a somewhat similar place. Death of a loved one or the rejection of a loved one. It hurts. And even the caring words of friends, the cards, the food, the presents, while appreciated, cannot take away the pain of the separation. In the garden, Jesus went to the Father, not my will be done, your will be done. On the cross, even after stating that he felt totally forsaken, he is back talking to the Father. And what does he say? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus knows where he's headed. He has done the Father's will. They agreed on this together. He has died for sins, and he is headed back in a relationship with the Father. It is finished. He's run the race. He's done what they agreed to do. He knew where he was headed. After his death, he would be back in that relationship with the Father. And what is Jesus doing right now? He's not sitting in heaven eating bonbons. He's standing at the right hand of the throne advocating for us, hearing our prayers, pleading for us. It's beautiful. Jesus is the absolute model of faith, trust, and reliance 
in an absolutely difficult time. When we face difficult trials, do we turn to God or do we take the trial as rejection and punishment and walk away from God? I want to encourage you to face the trials where the response is not, why have you forsaken me? But not my will, but your will be done. What is the ultimate step of faith for us? Romans 3, starting in 21, says, Now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or payment by his blood to be received by faith. What's the ultimate step? To believe Jesus' death covers our sins, that Jesus died for me. To turn from our self-centered path and to realize there's nothing we can do to have relationship with God except for believing that Jesus died for our sins. He died in my place. This is the first half of the gospel. Jesus died for my sins. It's an exchange of his life for my life. And that is a sacrifice totally acceptable to the Father. And it's a sacrifice which needs to be accepted and treasured as we do tonight. It is finished. Accept his sacrifice Believe that Jesus died for your sins and that Sunday and the resurrection from the dead are coming and are already here.